Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, good Monday morning to you. It is the Michael Duke Show broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com on the interwebs. Hello and how are you? We got a full show lined up for you this morning. We are uh, going to be uh, we're going to be diving into it. Some uh, some heartfelt stuff. And then some good old plain politics stuff. That's uh, how we're going to roll today. Uh, we're going to start off here in hour one with some headlines, and then we're going to pick it up with uh, Alicia Badirk, uh, Dirksen, who is uh, the author of the brand new book, Out of the Wilderness. Um, if you have been familiar with any kind of the crazy scandal stuff that we've seen here in the state of Alaska, um, we you will remember the name uh, Papa Pilgrim. And uh, Alicia is the uh, uh, she is the oldest of 15 children born to Papa Pilgrim and the one that uh, basically had a lot of the um, uh, she was the she was the face of a lot of the abuse that went on in that family. Um, And this story is a story of overcoming and courage and how she was finally able to leave that family and uh, what has gone on since. It is a fascinating tale. I got the book uh, late last week and was able to read a chunk of it over the weekend. And I got to tell you, um, this woman has got the heart of a lion. Uh, I, I just I don't even know how to put it uh, any differently. She uh, she did some amazing things and uh, and put up with some amazing things. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking with her here this morning. Uh, about her book, about her some of her experiences, uh, and this this I mean this has uh, got some hard reads in it, uh, some hard things to hear and to uh, and to find out that there are people out there that um, well you know that there are just some people that are just wrong, and uh, this is the story of her overcoming that, and uh, I look forward to uh, I look forward to talking to her here. In, uh, in hour one this morning. In hour two, we're going to be talking with Chris Bai, who is a candidate for Congress uh, running against Don Young. As I said earlier, that uh, that race is going to get uh, is going to get uh, pretty pretty crowded and well it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with uh, with the ranked choice voting and the jungle primary and everything else but uh, Chris Bai will be joining us to talk about what's going on and how um, he thinks he can make a difference in what's uh, in what's happening uh, in Congress. And so we're going to uh, we're going to talk with him about that and uh, his decision to run and everything else. So that'll be hour two of the program this morning. I have to start off uh, this morning with a little bit of a memoriam. Um, there uh, was a listener uh, down in the peninsula 
who uh, I had the opportunity to meet uh, several times um, during uh, the last few years. Uh, every time I had a meet and greet or something going on down in the peninsula, uh, Larry would show up, Larry Pinnell, um, and he would come on board and always share some uh, some good thoughts, some wit, some witticism, and uh, was always he was always fun to have in the chat room. Um, last week, Larry passed away, and uh, he had been battling with cancer in the past and had overcome it, um, but he was uh, not able to stop it this uh, this last time. So I'm assuming it's the, either the cancer or the COVID uh, complications that he was suffering from. Um, but I was just informed late last night that Larry passed away this last week. And um, my heart's out to his family. Uh, he was uh, he was a great guy. And uh, so we'll dedicate the show this morning to uh, to Larry and to all of those out there who are fighting um, those things that are trying to keep us down, cancer or COVID or whatever it is. Um, but uh, Larry was a heck of a guy. And I want to say a special thank you to uh, Dwayne Bannock, who uh, reached out to me last night and told me about this. I had not, uh, I had not uh, uh, heard this, and I had not uh, noticed that uh, Larry had not been in the chat room late last week. So it's... Uh, it's a it's a tough it's a tough situation, but uh, Larry, we uh, we love you and miss you, and we hope that uh, uh, we hope that uh, you know the pain is gone. That's all we can say. So today's show dedicated out to Larry Pinnell, who uh, was a great listener, one of my first supporters. Um, uh, Larry uh, Larry came out and meet me uh, came out and met me at one of our very very first meet and greets when we first got the show started down on the peninsula. Um, he was maybe one of, uh, I don't know, maybe a dozen people that showed up. There wasn't a whole lot of people that showed up, uh, because we were fairly fresh and new and, uh, but he came and we had a, we had a good long chat, um, on that first day. And ever since then, Larry has been, uh, a very, uh, a loyal uh, listener and I think a loyal friend. And I appreciate that Larry. So, uh, Godspeed and God bless to Larry Pinnell down there on the peninsula and to his family or relatives and friends down there. Um, again, our heart goes out to you uh, over this. All right. Um, so today's Larry's show, and he would tell me to talk about Mongo and everything else. That was his nickname that he would go by sometimes because uh, he uh, he loved that whole Blazing Saddle shtick. Uh, so let's jump into this and take a look at what's going on around the state and around the country uh, before we uh, jump into our conversation with Alicia Ba. Uh, Dorkson and talk about uh, her book as well. Uh, some of the big news coming out of the legislature, of course, it's day 42, day 43 now, day 43 today. And the legislature is taking up all the important bills that we could possibly take up. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the bills uh, is SJR 16, which actually came about back in January. Um, and it was a bill that would um, uh, impose a few sanctions um, on Russia uh, over uh, – it's a joint resolution. It's not a bill. It's a resolution asking for Russia to lift the sanctions on Alaskan seafood. And it's now being put forward to ask the uh, president 
to immediately seek and secure an end to the embargo imposed by Russia on the seafood markets from abroad, or place a reciprocal embargo on Russian seafood entering the United States. Now, with the fact that Russia is now at war with the Ukraine and we're bogged down with that and there's all kinds of other sanctions going on, uh, no real clear picture as to what's going to happen with that. Although it does appear, according to Suzanne Downing from Musreed, she reports that Senator Sullivan and Murkowski are considering introducing a ban to place a sanction on all Russian seafood imports anyway. On top of everything else, it would be one more thing uh, to hit them with in light of what's going on with the uh, with the embargo. Uh, a second important bill, I'm using the word important um, in, uh, in quotes on that, is a bill that has come out from uh, Garen Tarr of Anchorage. She's getting a hearing on her new equity bill. It's the outdoor equity bill. It's, it's, it's a bill that's going to apparently try and establish equity amongst people who want to go outdoors and utilize the, the wilderness, the, the stuff. She said HCR4 reflects a nationwide desire to establish specific government, government initiatives to ensure that our public outdoor recreation areas are accessible, affordable, and safe for all Alaskan, regardless of their backgrounds or income levels. However, despite an increasingly diverse population, minorities are still underrepresented in national forest visitation statistics. Research shows that it's not due to inherent disinterest in the outdoors, but it disparities in other factors such as information distribution, perception of safety, and affordability. To which I start asking the question of, what? I mean, information distribution, they can get information regardless of who you are, where you are, or where you come from the color of your skin, or the amount of money that you make, we all get information at the same spot. If we want information on the public parks or whatever, we go to the local website or safety, perceptions of safety and affordability. She said she believes minorities cannot afford kayaks, skis, and tents, for instance, not to mention fat tire bikes. Well, but we've all done without a lot of those things and still still enjoyed the outdoors. Now, there's no money... Um, associated with this. It calls for spending, but there's no fiscal note. And it was not referred to House Finance. But just, and by comparison, last year, California spent $58 million in taxpayer funds for outdoor equity where they were redistributed by the government under a program established in similar legislation in 2019. I don't know exactly what they're looking... She said Alaska should formally examine the disparities in its outdoor outreach efforts by creating a new position, which is called the new, uh, what's it called? Office of Outdoor Equity, housed in the Department of Natural Resources. Um, that, that they should basically formally examine the disparities in its outdoor outreach efforts by creating this new position to make accessibility to our parks, trails, ski slopes, cabins, and waters more equitable. I mean, what? I just, I don't, I mean, my my brain hurts just thinking about that. I just don't even, but don't worry. This is an important bill. We're going to be talking about that. And then Adam Wool has decided that he hates the gig economy. He hates the gig economy so much that he's going to see if he can get it turned off here in Alaska. Well, not directly, 
but through taxation. He's offering a new tax bill that would tax the gig economy, like those people who rent their personal vehicles through the car sharing app Turo. He said, uh, you know, that this this is just unfair. They, they need to make all this stuff up. They need to, you know, it adds a definition to for new services providing private vehicles for rental programs. This would basically tax each and every one of those uh, people who decided to make a little extra money by renting their vehicles through the app. Now, if it happens that, that if this bill passes, Turo would probably just stop the app from working in the state of Alaska because if people have to collect tax for Turo, federal tax law governs the company differently and treats those car owners more like employees than subcontractors. And uh, it would basically end a good side gig, which would effectively end that extra money for about 1,200 people in Alaska who have rented or shared their vehicles through Turo or some other company. And if they're going to come after that, then, you know, next thing it'll be, it'll be, you know, Verbo and it'll be Airbnb and it'll be everything else. I mean, if you can't, if it moves, you got to tax it. And even if it stops moving, you should tax it more. Oh. This is what we're working on right now. This and the fact that basically they're expecting uh, all this influx in money from oil money because oil prices continue to rise, but they're not going to be giving it to us. No, they basically say we need a we need to to keep that for the future. We need to keep that for later. It's crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Anyway, uh, we're going to get into all this later on in the program. Meanwhile, uh, Alicia Bedorkson is going to be joining us here in just a moment. We're going to talk with her about her new book called Out of the Wilderness and um, her journey, her the, the, the trials and tribulations of being the eldest daughter of Papa Pilgrim and what did that mean and how did she, how did she get away? It's going to be it's going to be some interesting stuff. We're looking forward to uh, talking with her here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke show continues broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and or translator. And around the world at michaeldukeshow.com on the internet. We'll be right back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the commercial break right now. Broadcasting live on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch TV. Good morning and welcome back uh, to the program. Uh, appreciate you uh, coming in and being part of it today. We are about to jump into it with Alicia Bedorkson and uh, talk about her new book, Out of the Wilderness, which, again, as I said earlier, I got it late last week, and I got a chance to peruse through it a little bit this weekend. I, I didn't read the whole thing, but I read some sections and some excerpts and um, some chilling stuff in here, man, Some just some really crazy things going on. You know, maybe you would have expected to hear something like this 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. But to hear some of these things happening, I mean, when she talks about being in Fairbanks is exactly, I mean, while I was living there in Fairbanks, and to hear some of the things that were going on there just shocks me right down to the bone. Uh, some crazy stuff. 
And we're going to talk with her about that here in just a moment uh, as we join her. I think that she is, uh, in fact, I think she's on board already and hanging out in the virtual green room. Good morning. Hey, good morning, How are Michael. You? How are you? Thanks this? for having me. Well, thanks for coming on board. I appreciate it. Um, as I said, I haven't finished the book, but boy, the parts that I've read have uh, uh, really opened my eyes to some stuff. And I'm looking forward to talking with you here about this in just a moment. So if you'll hang out with us. We're in the commercial break. We're going to be back here in about three minutes, and we'll be ready to go, okay? Okay, thank you. So I recommend you drink my virtual coffee and eat my virtual donuts in the virtual green room, okay? I took all the took all the calories out for you, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> okay, uh, well, I'll be sipping on my coffee. All right, sip on that coffee. Just leave me a chocolate cruller. They're my favorite. Um, hey, I see my daughter's in the chat room this morning. Good morning, Ryle. Um, and happy birthday to Anne. I saw that Anne was uh, – it was her birthday – Good morning, Ann. Happy birthday to you. And again, uh, the show today dedicated to our friend, friend of the show, Larry Pinnell, who passed away last week. Uh, and again, special thanks uh, going out to uh, uh, to Tall, Dark, and Handsome, uh, uh, Dwayne Bannock, who dropped me the, uh, dropped me the note last night uh, that uh, Larry had passed away. Uh, and I appreciate that because I had not, I, I, quite honestly, the end of last week, I was so busy, I didn't notice that Larry wasn't in the chat room last week. Uh, the end of last week. So apparently uh, um, he passed away and and it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking. I really enjoyed Larry and his commentary in the chat room. So um, it's uh, uh, just hopefully he and his family were uh, were good to go. <sighs> know, know the know the peace of the Lord, as they say. OK, um, coming up in hour two, Chris by will be joining us. We got some other things we can talk about in the headlines that are coming up. Uh, everything from down in the uh, in Juno to what's happening here as well, um, yeah, and all the stuff going on in the Ukraine, crazy, crazy stuff going on in the Ukraine as well. We could talk about all that as we go forward. Hopefully, your weekend was good. You guys were all ready, and uh, I spent a lot of time with the kids. We played uh, we played some D and D. We uh, hung out, watched some movies. Uh, and uh, basically got a little bit of uh, got a little bit of a respite there. I did my normal sleeping jag where I got a chance to sleep, you know, 10, 12 hours, which is uh, <laughs> always refreshing for me. Oh man. Um, all right. Uh, let's see what else is going on in the chat room this morning. Instead of introducing new bills, how about the Alaska legislature? Here are the ones that have been sitting in committee for years and work through those. Well, I mean, you know, it's a unique idea. You're right. Maybe it should. Uh, this is what happened. This is what happens when you vote for the wrong people, says Richard. Um, this should be declared Firearms Week in support of Ukraine. God bless them as they fight. Did you see the videos of them passing out all the machine guns to the citizens? I mean, I keep, I keep waiting for that to happen here. I would love to see that happen. It was just, uh, uh, just crazy, crazy stuff. Um. Let's see. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Sad news on Larry. Yep. Uh, good morning, you happy people. Uh, good morning. All right. Look at that. We're all, I'm all caught up. I'm all caught up here, ready to go. All right. Uh, Elizabeth Dirksen is going to be joining us here in just a moment, and we're going to dive into this. Please like and share this uh, show. Like and share the video. Like and follow the show page. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and ring the bell. Let's let's kick this off. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
Let's do it. All right, welcome back to the program. Common Sense is what we try and bring to the show every uh, day, five days a week. We are here to uh, educate, entertain, and enlighten the three E's. That's what we try and do every day. This morning, it's, uh, it's, in, it's education and enlightenment this morning as we sit down with Alicia Dorkson who was the oldest of 15 children born to the ex-hippies of Robert and Karina Hale. You know them as Papa Pilgrim uh, Papa Pilgrim and Country Rose. Uh, this story, uh, which is the name of the book, is called Out of the Wilderness, uh, was uh, pretty uh, eye-raising or hair-raising, eye-opening and hair-raising, I guess is what I would say. I didn't get a chance to read all of it, but the sections that I did read really make me... Uh, well, it made me appreciate my family and the way I was raised and everything else, and it made me appreciate the strength of this woman who has had the courage not only to escape that situation, but now to lay it all down in a book and let others learn from uh, from her struggles and uh, everything else. And Alicia Bedirksen joins us right now uh, on the program. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Michael. Thanks for inviting me, and uh, thanks for taking the time to read my book, because I know it's a long one. It's over 400 pages, but a lot of readers tell me that it's a page-turner. Oh, it is. It is. I got started in it, and, uh, you know, every time I'd get interrupted, I'd be like, I got to go, where did I put that book? I got to go back to it. Um, There's some interesting stuff in here, and, again, what hits close to home to me, as I was just mentioning, is that, you know, that some of these things can happen, um, I guess I would say in the modern era, um, you know, where you would think, oh, maybe this happened, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago. But, you know, you arrived in Fairbanks um, right there. I mean, my wife and I had been married 10 years at that point. We had our first children. We were right there, you know, probably drove past you on the road, didn't even know it, didn't even wow. know what was going on. And um, it's um, it's kind of a shocking tale. So uh, let's get started here in this. Now, you started out uh, in uh, in the Santa Cristos in, uh, in New Mexico. That's where your life began. And so... Kind of walk us through just briefly a little bit of what was going on there and then the journey into Alaska. Okay. Well, as I described in my book, Out of the Wilderness, after Papa got religion, you know, he told my brothers and me one day that we weren't allowed to have toys, that they were graven images, and we were wicked, or they were wicked, if we pretended with them. So God wanted us to get rid of them. Well, and and I will say this: one of the things that uh, that came out of uh, uh, I, one of the passages that I caught really made me uh, shake my head. Uh, and in fact, I think you actually posted about this on Facebook the other day, where you said, uh, "You know, the abuse that you suffered at the hands of your father, he would later on use the word to try and justify keeping everything quiet and keeping it secret." I mean, here's a man who found religion and became so fervorous about it. That he yeah. would twist it and bend it to his own to his own whims, and that that looks like just one of the first examples of that. Yeah, because like my little doll named Betty and my little rabbit, and my brother had his dump truck and his little toys, and we had to throw them all into a feed sack and just like because God said it was wrong, and 
take them to a dump in the local valley there and just throw the sack right over the hill and watch it fall into the the trash. Right. I just remember crying all the way home. Why did I have to get rid of my little Betty? Right. God, God, God said he, she was evil. Right. I mean, which again, how how old were you at this point? When your father found religion, how old were you at that point? Well, I was three when he got religion, and then we moved to the mountains. Uh, and when I was around, yeah, three, four years old, and like this little story I just told was when I was six, something like that. Right. Uh, so we moved to the mountains, and things kind of began to develop as my father gathered his little cult by, you know, his own family. Right, his own little—he was, he was kind of growing his own little cult, his own little flock, his own little following. Uh, the common theme that I picked up as I skipped through the book, as I was going from section to section and jumping ahead quite a bit, but one of the things that I noticed that was a common theme throughout it was that he seemed to always be wanting to get further away from other people, to always be out and alone and just him and his family and be away from everything. And whether that was from the influence of people or the influence of the world, or uh, I think at one point he even said, you know, he's worried about the government looking in at what he was doing. And, and he really kind of became more and more reclusive and was constantly trying to find a way to bring all you folks, uh, basically to take you out into the wilderness, not out of the wilderness, but into the wilderness away from other people and isolate you. Yes, thanks for recognizing that, Michael. Definitely is what happened. We were isolated completely from the world, and what I thought of the world, it was just evil and wicked, and there was no way that I even wanted to be in the world because I heard it was just going to suck me in and take me away from heaven. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I mean, that uh, obviously that's, uh, now we know that that's kind of the modus operandi of anything that's, you know, kind of cult-like is that it paints everything outside of the the cult or the organization as evil and as other. Um, and uh, and you started to, you know, you, you of course, were, were raised in that, so it's no surprise that you embraced that idea initially. When was your first inklings that the outside world may not have been as bad as uh, as you'd been taught, what was the first? What was the first inkling? You know, I guess it was probably little bits at a time when I was really little. If we hitchhiked to town, or we would be in a little store, or someone would offer me candy, or they would tell me, "Oh, you have beautiful blonde hair and blue eyes," which is funny because I have green eyes now, but. Uh, it was kind of like those little tiny things, and then when people would do something kind, it definitely contradicted what my father was telling me. Right. Well, and you were so far out of the world. I remember one of the things you were talking about is that somebody had offered to uh, buy your family dinner at one point, and, um, and of course, you could barely read. Your brothers and sisters could barely read. I mean, they'd all given you menus, and you couldn't decide— you didn't know, you know, what was, you, I don't think you knew what was what. What I read through the thing is that you basically didn't under, even understand what was on the menu. Um, and uh, at one point, you were asking them how they cooked, and uh, you were so, this is in, I mean, this is in the 90s, and, and, and they, you said, they said, this microwave. And you're like, 
uh, I guess you tell the story that you looked at it and said, okay, great. Where do you light the fire in the, I mean, I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. that's how far out of, uh, out of, I mean, you, you had no idea. Yeah. It was just really confusing that they would tell me that that's where you cooked because it really didn't make no sense. It made no sense that you would start a fire in that thing. Right. I mean, where does the smoke go? Where does the stick? And, <laughs> and, and I mean, of course you said they, they laughed, but at the same time, it was just an indication of how far outside of the world you and your family were. Yes. And you spoke of that time in the restaurant. One thing that was really difficult for me as a daughter, I was not allowed to eat. My father wanted me to look a certain way for his sexual desires. Right. And so if I had food, I couldn't even take a bite unless I'd showed it to him first. And many times I would show him my bowl and he would say, nope, can't have it. That's that's crazy. I mean, because at that point, and in fact, in that story where the 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 family invited to you guys all over to or to, to have dinner, they had offered to to buy you dinner. Your father he ordered the biggest T-bone steak on the menu with all the trimmings and stuff like that, and you turned to him and said, uh, "I think it was my lord. May I eat? Is that is that my my remembering that right? Yeah. You well, Michael. You do well <laughs> recognizing those little things. Uh, that was quite difficult calling him Lord. And then when he ate food, even as a little girl, I would just cry because I would be starving, really hungry, and I'd watch him eat the best in the house. Right. And while we starved, and we weren't even allowed to eat because he used the Bible verse that said, told us that we were supposed to take care of, or that's just how he interpreted it, that we were supposed to take care of the livestock and the animals first. And so we would work really hard, my brothers and I, and we would be starving. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, this is some some crazy stuff. You guys were basically living a completely subsistence lifestyle uh, in the San, in the uh, Sangue de Cristos, Cristos, and uh, you were you were there, but you weren't getting along with your neighbors. Your father, there was uh, you guys were poaching game. You were doing all different kinds of things that he was justifying in his twisted view of morality and religion. Um, and that eventually forced you out of those areas, and you guys became nomads for a while uh, in national parks and other places. Um, Along the lines here, somewhere along the lines, your father turned to you, as you mentioned, for for sexual gratification, which to me is one of the most horrific things I can possibly think of. When did that start? When, When did that occur initially? Yeah, thanks for asking, Michael. That is... Probably, it was the hardest story for me to even mention for so many years, and I've referred to the sexual part in my book. It was definitely a difficult process of trying to figure out how to put that in there without it blowing everybody away. Right. So we chose to put it in the book in one spot, even though it happened for 10 years constantly. But like the beginning of it, it started as a child, a, a baby, in my father's arms in the shower with him. But over the years, it really it got a whole lot worse when I was 19, when he started taking liberties that went way beyond what I even understood as normal. Um, and these were the toughest, toughest thing to write in the Out of the Wilderness. Right. And, and- um, in chapter 23 and 24, 
I talk about that. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I just, I remember we found this cattle trough. It was like this long green water trough out in the middle of nowhere. And he had me, um, we built it, a fire underneath it, built a bath and warmed up the, the water and, he always took baths, and at home he had, we had baths like that out in the wilderness, where we hauled the water and filled it up and built fires underneath it. And I had spent most of my life bathing with him in his underwear while I was in a t-shirt and panties, and I would just. Uh, but this night was real different and really painful because uh, he had moved closer and closer to me in ways that he hadn't done before. So, you know, and then he started speaking in a seductive way and just made it sound like I was this special thing that God had created for him. And also he was so angry and just, he had been taking my brothers, which this is one also a very hard thing to talk about, but he would become very angry with all of us at times and right before this situation he had taken my brothers who had kind of stood up against him and since they'd done that he told them to take their clothes off and bend over this uh, wooden barrel that we had and just whipped them with the bullwhip and it was so hard because then he would ask me to rub his shoulders and it was humiliating for my father to put me in that position where he wanted me to make him feel better for hurting my brothers. <clears throat> so back to the bathtub where he moved in a way that he sexually came on me. And next thing I knew, he sent me to the back of our old truck. And uh, that just became the hardest day of my life where it felt like I lost everything all under the name of you do this and I'll save your family. You do what I say and my wrath won't be as strong. And somehow inside of me, I just died that day. I was like, you know, if that's all I'm worth and if I can make this beast happy, then I will do it. But it was even worse than that because he also told me that this is what I was created for. This is what God says. And like, this is your job. And it was mixed I've always said I'd rather had a gun put to my head than the Bible. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's horrifying to see things like this happen, and especially to have that put on a young woman that now you are responsible for the safety of your family, and this is all that you're made for, or all that you're really kind of good for at that point. We're going to continue this discussion with Alicia Bedorkson here in just a moment. Uh, We're talking about her book, Out of the Wilderness, which is uh, available now. Uh, We'll continue to talk about that here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Radio. 
Okay, we're in the break right now with Alicia Bedorkson. Uh, she joins us, and thank you, by the way, Alicia, for sending me the uh, the the little audio cut in pronouncing your name. I I completely butchered it uh, on Friday uh, when I was talking about it. Uh, so I mean, I appreciate that because it's always hard when you you're never sure. You've never heard somebody's name and uh, spoken, and uh, so that was uh, that was very good. Thank you so much. Well, you're doing an awesome job. Saying well, Alicia Bedirkson is not easy. Yeah, no, yeah, and I was I was just curious about that. <laughs> now you started off with a totally different name, right? I mean, you had a uh, you had a uh, your they were hippies, Papa and and uh, and your mom were hippies, uh, and so you started off with a real hippie name, right? Wasn't it uh, like Butterfly something? Yeah, when I was born, my both my parents were the hippies, and they yeah, my father was Firefly Sunstar, and my mother was. Sunlight, sun star, and then when I was born, I was born in one of those little bubbles, and uh, what, what do they call that? Anyways, <laughs> my my father took a thorn from a rose bush and popped it, so I was like in this safe little bubble as long as I could be, and then he said that I was like a butterfly because I popped out of the cocoon, and so he named me Butterfly, and that was on my birth certificate. Butterfly Sunstar. It was it was crazy when I came to Alaska and I got a uh, driver's license and found out that my real name was Butterfly Sunstar. It blew me away. <laughs> so you didn't even know, but you didn't even remember that for the longest time. No, well, I knew I was Butterfly Sunstar when I was born, but I didn't realize that was my legal name because my Hale was my family's name. Right, and right. <laughs> so, and Dirksen is my married name because now I'm I'm married to Matthew and I have two wonderful children. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's some amazing stuff. Yeah, I imagine that would be a bit shocking to walk up to the DMV and they're like butterfly. What? Wait a second. Now you you gotta you when you were living in New Mexico, that's when they when you you were actually you actually been named three times, right? Uh, yes. Let's see. I was. Butterfly Sunstar when I was born, and then when my father got religion, he named me Elizabeth, and then when I was, I think I was about 16 years old when my brother Noah was born in this big teepee lodge, my father decided that we were um, Noah's family, like we were building us an ark, and we're right. we were digging in caves and everything, so he decided to call us all after Hebrew names, and and he called me Elisheba. And that was supposed to be my, like, special name. And I, I just hated Elizabeth, because when I was in trouble, he would say Elizabeth. And so when I got, uh, after I escaped and all, and I was with my husband, he helped me, like, legally change my name back to Elisheba Hale. <laughs> So then, when I got married, I was able to to get the name that you have. Wanted. That is my right. maiden name. <laughs> well, it's good. It's good that you get again. You get to choose. You get to take the power and choose the things that you wanted. And I think that is uh, that is uh, a, a good thing. You know, uh, the other thing that I noticed uh, time and again, and, and I kind of want to touch on this when we get back uh, to the radio because we're still in the commercial break. But uh, when we get back to the radio here in about two minutes, I do want to talk a bit about. <clears throat> This the fact that your father continued to twist and interpret scripture to his own ends. Um, <coughs> excuse me, 
And you mentioned, uh, I think it's on your website, you mentioned that uh, he talks about some of his own bizarre interpretations, including, uh, you know, keeping his own virgin and some of these other things. And then, and then again, what I mentioned earlier, I think you posted on Facebook talking about how he wanted to keep it secret. Uh, and keeping it secret was supposedly biblical at that point as well. And uh, that seems to be a common theme in all the things that uh, uh, that were going on in your life at that moment, that he was turning and twisting those things. And how difficult that must have been for a person who, you know, who who was godly, but at the same time listening to the perversion of Scripture, you know, through through the lens of of, a, of an abusive father at that point. Yeah. Okay, well, whatever you ask me, I will say. Okay. Good. All right, well, we're going to touch base on that and everything. But again, I like to highlight the fact that your your life today is uh, you're out of the wilderness for sure, married, happy, two kids, um, and this has kind of become cathartic out of it. Okay, yeah. And there's also how I got out, however you, whatever you want me yeah. to talk about. Yeah, no, we're going to talk about that all here. We got about uh, We got about 20 minutes that we're going to... Uh, 15 minutes we're going to talk about that here so just hold the line we'll be right i'll be right back to you don't go anywhere we're talking with alicia dorkson who is the author of the book out of the wilderness um if you've uh, lived in alaska you probably heard of the whole papa pilgrim thing well she was at the top of that she was at the top of that whole thing she was at the top of that uh that problem as the eldest daughter of uh 15 children born to the uh, hale family uh and this is a this is a fascinating read Heartbreaking, but also fascinating. And so we'll continue with uh, Alicia Bedorkson right now. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. All right, we're continuing now with Alicia Bedorkson, the author of the book Out of the Wilderness, uh, about her experience as being the eldest daughter of Papa Pilgrim and what that means. We were just talking about it during the break. Uh, she's now she's out of the wilderness. She escaped. We're going to talk about the escape here in a second. But one of the things, again, one of the constant themes I kept reading through here is how someone took the word, uh, the scripture, and twisted it to their own ends and how difficult that must have been uh, to understand that. And now looking back at that, he basically was twisting everything to uh, to to fit whatever his narrative or whatever he wanted, right? Yes. You know, it was really interesting. The other morning, I looked this up. And to be honest, it was really scary to open the Bible and read these Bible verses since I had heard it from my father so many times, and it was used to make me do what he wanted as he would tell my mom and me, you know, keep this as our secret between us, between the three of us. And he would just use the Bible to shame me from telling anyone about what he was doing. And when he said, it is a shame to speak of things done in secret, I mean, it's definitely really a, a spiritual abuse. I would have to say it was one of the hardest things that I went through. Right. It may sound strange, but... When, it, when your brain is psychologically brainwashed right. and it's used for someone's own agenda, then it it's not for me. It was for his own accomplishment, and that's where using just text out of the Bible was 
spiritual abuse. Now, as we before we went to break, you were talking about how you're basically your father was emotionally and blackmailing you to basically say, if you do what I want you to do, then you'll be protecting your brothers and sisters. But at some point, you'd made the decision that you had to get away. And so, let's talk about the escape. How did you, you know, what was the start of that, and how did you, how did you eventually pull it off? Well, like I said, his sexual abuse of me lasted ten years, and during that time. We moved to Alaska, and he wanted to isolate us even more, so he took us way out into the Wrangell St. Elias Mountains of Alaska, which we got this property. It was 400 acres just out in the middle of nowhere, up past McCarthy. And Papa would, Papa Pilgrim, and I, I tell these stories in my book, Out of the Wilderness, um, he called it Hillbilly Heaven, which is ironic for it was really felt like hell on earth. Right. Uh, and it was 14 miles up this narrow can- uh, valley, which was steep mountains on either side of us, up past the little town of McCarthy. Um, and in the town, there was a couple dozen people year-round that lived there, which our family was a good portion of them once we moved in. Uh, so being out there in the middle of nowhere and my father would try to tell me that I wasn't actually allowed to leave his side. And I just remember even my mom coming to me and telling me that like how thankful she was because like I had watched my, my father beat my mom a lot when I was younger and just really cried and screamed and just, it was so hard. And then she recognized me and that felt good because she recognized that I was taking all the beatings. But in my mind, that was like, I'm saving her. I'm saving my siblings. And then my brothers, Joseph, Joshua, David, Moses, and eventually Israel had all decided they were going to leave and they escaped and went down to McCarthy and um, went to work in Glen Ellen. But before they left, you know, they begged me. They said, you've got to get out of here. Like, this is, there's no no way. Right. But I was so mentally stuck because I was sure I had to be there to save my family. That was just in my mind. And I couldn't even convince myself that that should change. And then more, it just like, suddenly I came to me that I had to get away and that there was no way to save my family. And between me and God, I finally realized that I was taking control and I could just give it over to him. Even though it was really confusing, I knew that I had to get away. And if I didn't, I was going to die. Right. So finally, it was in April. It was this breakup season in Alaska. But uh, if I didn't make a run for it, it was going to be the end. I knew it. So I waited until the perfect opportunity when my papa had to go into McCarthy for some uh, fuel. He would just go right down and get some gasoline and come right back up. So there was only one snow machine path that went down the valley. And I knew there was a place halfway down that I could hide and in the woods where he could just pass by me. So 
so Papa wouldn't see me. And then after he left, I prepared my escape. I told my mom that I'm leaving, and one of my sisters said she was coming with me. This is my sister, Jerusalem, and she was 16 at the time. I'm uh, 13 years older than her. And so I'm thinking, okay, now I've got to take care of her. My plan was to just go to the wilderness and hide. Right. But we, together, we jumped on the snow machine after we loaded it up and realized that it had been sabotaged and my father had left them where we couldn't get away. And after we finally got it going, it was quite a narrow escape as we... It was like a, a dream that you're having, and you just can't run, or you can't fly, you just can't get away. And there was one point where I remember standing on the trail, and the snow machine died, and it was falling apart, and I just looked up into the mountains, and I was like, uh, I'm going to die. There's no way out. I can't climb out. If he finds me now, it's the end. And unfortunately, we finally got another snow machine going, and we kept going and we finally made it to this place covered ourselves up with white sheets and he came by I think within uh, 10 to 15 minutes I knew he had a gun and I feared that he would kill us because as soon as he found out we had gone that it would be the end right right um, yeah so we finally made it to McCarthy and we found a place under a tree where we stayed for five days actually and this is like i said it was actually a really cold year so it was around 20 below zero and i just remembered laying there shaking so hard like Jeez. i was so cold and i was so confused i was even doubting whether i'd done the right thing to right. be honest well I mean, he told me that i would kill him if i left yeah this is, uh, I mean, this whole story is fascinating and, and hair-raising and chilling, but also encouraging because you had the, the faith and the courage to to leave and make those decisions. We're running out of time here, uh, but I do mm. want to talk uh, briefly, uh, you know, just about the idea of, of, of uh, the genesis of this book. Uh, give me a quick uh, one-minute synopsis here. You know, what, what caused you to say, I think I need to write a book about this? Was it cathartic? What, 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 what were you trying to do here? Well, I started 11 years ago just, I, I, I wanted to tell my story. I wanted others to find out that there was hope, that you can find courage, you can get out, and you don't have to be stuck there. And over the years, I was just so angry, though. I wanted to see my father pay. I wanted others to pay for what I had gone through as the layers opened up. And it was shocking to find out that I had lost. 29 years of my life. Right. And then when I found forgiveness in the year of 2015, I went out to my father's grave and just, he went to jail. He, he died two years later. And, um, I still, it was so difficult and even wrote a whole book until last two years ago, I wrote out of the wilderness and, Going to my father's grave and saying, Papa, I forgive you, was so freeing for me. So, like, you can find my book on out of the wilderness dot, no, out of the wilderness book dot com. 
where, and you can also find it in the some of the bookstores in Alaska, like yeah. Tidal Wave and Anchorage and Fireside and Palmer. And I think my greatest desire is for for people who have been stuck in abuse or spiritual abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. To find a way. It's just about any kind of abuse. That right. There is a way out. And really for me, it was figuring out what forgiveness was and uncovering the layers. Alicia but ba- forgiveness, yeah. Yeah, Alicia Bedorkson, thank you uh, so much. Hold the line for a second. We're out of time, folks. Hour two, dead ahead. Alicia, I'm sorry we had a heartbreak there at the top of the hour, but... Uh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I mean, this book, I'm definitely uh, starting it again. My wife has already said she wants to read it to hear, uh, to, you know, after I talked to her a little bit about some of the stories and some of the things that I was gasping at as I read the book. Um, it's <clears throat> it's horrific to see some of the way that, you know, that one human can treat another human being a certain way, but it's also encouraging to see how you came out of it and were able to have that strength. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's hard. I mean, you mentioned... Even at 19 years old, you still had the you still had the heart and mind of a girl. I mean, because you basically had been, uh, you know, the, your your growth in those areas had been retarded by your father's you know overarching thing, yeah. and the, the fact that you finally came to it, um, you know, at 29 years old to realize that you know you're worth more than this and you need to get out of it. It was uh, it's a heart wrenching story, but at the same time, it's encouraging and like you said, to find that forgiveness. I haven't gotten to that part of the book yet, so now I'm going to have to go back and read that, but. Um, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's truly horrifying, but at the same time, encouraging to find out that, uh, you know, God can still work through, uh, that stuff and, uh, and, and get you out of those areas. And that's a, that's a a heart, a heart wrenching thing, but at the same time, it's encouraging. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. You're, you're very intuitive. Well, I appreciate you coming in, and I know you and were... happy ner- birthday to your daughter. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, it was not my daughter. Daughter, it's one of our listeners, Anne. It's her birthday oh, okay. today. So, But I know you were a little nervous about this, but there's never anything to be nervous about. We're just having a good conversation. So I appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much uh, for uh, being part of it today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Well, and can you give people the the link to my book yeah sure that, yeah no sure yeah. absolutely uh if you want to if you want to drop the link in the chat room I'm, I'm i'm here on your website right now alishaba.com and uh order my book i got the i click the link there and uh, out of the wilderness book.com yep and uh i'll put the i'll put the links up right up here in the chat room people can take a look at it and they can uh they can they can be ready to go all right well awesome. thank you so much for coming in board and i appreciate it thank you for uh uh, uh, for sharing your story with us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye. All right. Uh, coming up, we're going to be talking with Chris Bai here in just a few moments, uh, Congress, uh, uh, congressional uh, candidate. I have to, I, I got to say, this is my comment this morning. I saw Herman said something about Herman, who is constantly quoting the word in the chat room, who's constantly, you know, talking about God's will and everything else said he had to turn off the sound until the next guess. It's just too salacious like watching Jerry Springer. Um, I find that, well, Herman, I find that a little offensive that you don't want to hear the story about a woman who overcame this kind of stuff, um, you know, with the, with the help of her faith uh, and the fact that her father was twisting the word in such a way that he was causing and helping and, and continuing that kind of abuse against her and her siblings. 
I mean, I think that that's, uh, I think that that's uh, very selfish of you, Herman. Quite honestly. Uh, anyway, uh, Alicia uh, uh, Dirksen, good, good, um, good stuff. And again, you can get a copy of her book uh, on the links that I just dropped there in the chat room, and I think Hannah just dropped a link as well. Um, uh, out of the wilderness book.com. Yep, you can get them. You, but either one of those links will take you where you need to go. Uh, but definitely a uh, definitely uh, educational, uh, to say the least. It, I know more now about the whole Papa Pilgrim things, uh, Papa Pilgrim thing that I than I ever wanted to. But it's important to learn. Um, <clears throat> all right. Um, sorry, but there are important things that are going on. Yes, there are important things that are going on, like the salvation of a young woman who came out of bondage from her parents like that. Um, I think that's just as important as anything else that's been brought up here this morning. So there, there you go. There you go. Uh, all right. Let me go back here through the comment. Um, going back here through growing. Good morning. So, so exciting to hear Alicia, Alicia, Ryan says, I'm actually tearing up. I mean, I was when she was talking about her brothers being beaten and uh, then her father uh, making that move on her right after he beat her and and whipped her brothers with a bull whip. I'm sorry. That's just, uh, yeah, that's just some crazy stuff. Man has been perverting religion from the beginning of time. That's true. It's power, and it was a way to have power over other people. Um. Uh, go ahead and criticize. I never criticized your faith, Herman. I criticized your judgment about what was important. There's a difference there. Um, uh, Elisheba's story is different. It's a story that others may have encountered, but hers is a happy ending. Redemption is possible. Forgiveness is possible. I believe you'll be blessed by this brave and strong woman of God. Yes. No, I agree. All right. Um, I think we've got. Um, I think we've got uh, Chris By on the line right now. Let's double check to make sure that he's up and running. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hey. Good morning, Michael. How are you? It's a fine day. I am doing just fine. I'm ready to go. Um, you are uh, ready to talk with us this morning. A- absolutely. Uh, that's going to be a tough act to follow, though. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough. I mean, it's a tough one. But we're going to jump into it. Um, if you've got a radio on in the background, I need you to step away from it or turn it off because I'm getting a little bit of uh, feedback on uh, on the back there. So uh, if uh, if you've got that, let's go on. I'll put you back. I'll, I'll put you back on hold, and we'll come back to you here in just a hard in just a hard second. Um, all right. Thank you, Michael, for having a brave lady on for a few interesting for a very interesting interview. This is a very rough story, says Greg. What it was hard to hear and know what happens. Yeah, it is hard to hear and know what happens, but we can't turn a blind eye just because it's hard. I agree, Greg. I, I mean, it's a hard story, hard to hear, but we can't turn away from it just because it's hard to hear or we find it too salacious. I guess is is my point. You don't turn away because it's too salacious. Um, all right, we're going to uh, jump into this now. We got more coming up. Hour two is dead ahead. Chris By is our guest. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Whoa, buddy.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Michael Dukes show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. All right, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Dukes Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world at MichaelDukesShow.com. Uh, hour two of the program, and whew, man, it's a hard act to follow. We just finished up with uh, Alicia Bedorkson uh, and her new book, Out of the Wilderness, which you can find at OutOfTheWildernessBooks.com. Uh, she's got a whole. Uh, it's it's just a. I mean, it's an amazing story of redemption and forgiveness and everything else. Uh, uh, and I recommend if you missed it, you go back and listen to it on the podcast. Uh, available later on this morning or on the replay on Facebook. Um, it's uh, it's great stuff. But now we're going to switch back into our political mode. Second hat is now on, and we're going to talk about what's going on out there in the world. Joining us this morning to discuss uh, the politics of the world is Chris By. Chris is a uh, Alaska fishing guide, combat uh, combat vet, and he said he's dreadfully tired of holding his nose and choosing the lesser of two evils at the ballot box. So he stepped up into it, and he is now running for Congress against uh, Don Young. Chris By joins us this morning to discuss his candidacy and his positions and everything else. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Uh, I am. I first, I got to tell you, I, I'm doing well. Uh, but I'm a little nervous. I freely admit it. I'm, I can't believe I'm actually on this side of the speakers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, after having you in my car for the last decade, heading into Fort Wainwright for uh, to execute PT in the morning, right. I'm actually talking to you, and other people are going to Fort Wainwright to execute PT, listening to you and I discuss this well, uh, very important stuff. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it's uh, it's been good, and and I'm. I'm glad to have you on the program, and I appreciate your listenership. And uh, you know, it's always it's always uh, heartening to me to see somebody step up and and make a decision. I mean, if you've if you've been listening for a decade, you know that uh, at one point I did the same thing and and stepped up uh, and the local level and 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 joined the assembly just because I thought I, I needed to try and make a difference. I wouldn't change that for the world, even though it was definitely an eye opening experience. And and I don't know how much good I did, but. Uh, it's always heartening to see somebody else step up and take the take the bull by the horns and say, "If not me, then who?" And if not now, then when? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So exactly. So let's talk a little bit. Give us a little bit of your background. I just kind of hit on it, but tell us a little bit about Chris By that we probably don't know. Yeah, sure. Uh, again, uh, for your audience, I am Chris By. That's spelled B Y E. Um, I, I am the Libertarian candidate. Uh, I will freely admit. Uh, just like all my libertarian friends that are listening, uh, I am a 76% libertarian, <laughs> and I have a very, very mean streak of independence. And uh, I, I carry that with me everywhere I go. Um, I am a, a husband to the most beautiful woman in 
Alaska. I have four amazingly growing young adults because we don't raise kids in the by household. Right. And uh, as you mentioned, I, I served the uh, United States um, Army for uh, just over 20 years. And that service continues even after uh, my service to the nation. Uh, we do all kinds of things here. Just about every day or every other day, you can find the by household out doing some kind of weird volunteer stuff uh, from driving the Alcan, bringing up stuff from the South or feeding the homeless here in Fairbanks. And, you know, that little segment about stepping up is that, that's really true. And well, it's, and, and I, I think it's important that every Alaskan do that. We, we don't need to rely on the charity of the benevolent government to do simple things. Right. We can do a lot of things for ourselves. We absolutely. Can. We can. Well, we Chris, sure let's talk about the aha moment. I mean, I like to always say whenever I've got a new politician on or a new potential candidate on, I always like to say, when exactly did you lose your mind? I mean, was uh, there was there was there one point? Was there an aha moment? Was there a final straw on the camel's back? What made Chris Bai say, "That's it, I'm done with it, I'm throwing my hat in the ring"? What was the what was the aha moment for you? I, uh, you know, it, it was a process, Michael. I, I freely admit that it's going to take me about two minutes to explain it. The, the first aha moment was back in 2005. Um, I was deployed to Rawa, Iraq. You know, for all the vets that are listening, because I know there's a handful of them out there, uh, I really appreciate your service. I'm honored to serve you. Um, what was the uh, what was the moment? It was, there, a, it was a tough moment, you know. So uh, one morning, I'm I'm doing a reenlistment oath, and for those who don't know, there's a line in that reenlistment oath, and it goes like this: to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. From all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I had completed that. I had completed that reenlistment, and we went out on a patrol. And I remember looking at the faces of all the Iraqis as we're ro- rolling through uh, through Rawa. And I just remember thinking. These people, Michael, these people are literally no danger to America or the Constitution of the United States. Yeah. And I was, I was shocked that a Republican president would send us all the way overseas to, to Iraq for literally no good reason. Right. You know, it was frustrating. And I couldn't understand why Congress would pass, you know, the authorization to, to, to enable that. I mean, it's frustrating. That's yeah. the word I would use, right? Frustrating. So, and I didn't get any answers to this until I read an article in Politico. I encourage everybody to go look at it. It's dated September 2021. It's titled something like, What We Got Wrong Post-9-11. Are you kidding me? What you got <laughs> wrong is you sent us to war. You cost the lives of over 5,700 service members, countless lives of Iraqis, countless Afghans. And at a cost of $8 trillion. And it was our career politicians that did that. Right. That, 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 super frustrating. So fast forward, I get back from Afghanistan um, in uh, 2012, and a mentor gave me a book. I, I encourage everybody to get this book. And you've probably read it. It's called Liberty Defined by Ron Paul. Uh, if you, your audience doesn't have this book, they ought to get it. Like, that changed everything. 
And, and then, you know, the last thing that really broke it was 2016-2018. The Republicans had both the House, they had the Senate, and they had the White House. Right. And you would have thought we got some freedom out of that. Right. Instead, we got like a paltry tax cut that uh, this still frustrates me to this day. In fact, it so frustrated me that I'm, that I'm running for Congress. And I, I freely admit, the Republican Party left me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think I, left me. I think it left a lot of people. I mean, I remember having that same kind of aha moment at the national level when I watched the contract on America. I mean, the contract for America get right. e- get executed. Right. I mean, here they they made all these promises. They did all these things. They swept the House. They swept the Senate, and then they immediately stumbled on their own shoelaces and did absolutely nothing. And that's when I realized. You, you know, you're never going to be able to count on these national parties to do anything. It's just, nope. it's so frustrating to watch. You know, what, you know what's really interesting about that is there's a, there was a gentleman, uh, he led the inquisition of Bill Clinton. Uh, what's really unique about Mr. Hyde is that he himself had some closet uh, mistresses. All right. And yet, you know, he stood up uh, to do the inquisition of Bill Clinton. And we all remember him for the Hyde Amendment, right? Right. I'm sure your listeners are well aware of that. But you know what a lot of people don't remember? Is in 96, he got up, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, he got up in Congress on the floor and said, the American people require career politicians to steer the boat in times of trouble. And I would offer the following evidence. 20 years of war, nearly $31 trillion of debt, the Patriot Act, all these mandates that were, were starting to fall uh, fall away because they realized they were stupid. Uh, that, that's what our career politicians gave us. Right. That's why I'm running. I'm just a regular dude who just likes fishing, but I can't look at my kids and the kids in my neighborhood and not do something about it. I cannot stand on the sideline anymore. And it's so there you go. That's why I'm running. Chris By, candidate for U.S. Congress. It's Time Alaska is his website, and I see you've got some issues up here as well. What are some of the things that are going to separate you from a congressman for all Alaska, Don Young? Uh, <laughs> what is what is going to separate you? I mean, I see you've got natural resources, the debt, auditing the Fed, the mandates, the military, of course, the Second Amendment. Let's let's hit on all those. Let's start with the natural resources. Ah, that's fantastic. So, Michael, you know what I would say is that this gentleman has been there since Richard Nixon declared Richard Nixon wasn't a crook. And yet we're still waiting on land to come back to Alaskans, right? I mean, there's, a, there's an initiative within the BLM, uh, that's Bureau of Land Management for those who aren't uh, Alaskans, that, uh, that has retained 36, tri- or 36 million acres that's supposed to be Alaska land. Uh, there's all kinds of song and dance that goes with it. Right, right. Um, and, and it still hasn't been handed over. And you would think that a gentleman who's got the title the dean would have been able to solve this, I don't know, two decades ago. And yet here we are, still waiting on it. it, it that right there is a good example of how professional politicians stifle normal Alaskans. Right? Because that land just isn't land. That land, it, natural resource development isn't just a slogan. It's it's the stimulus for opportunity, right? Right. Those are jobs for future well, that's botanists where, and that's where real, biologists. That's and, where real, real wealth comes from, right? I mean, from right? the land. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I'm, you know, I'm ready to roll my sleeves up and actually get that land transferred. 
uh, you know, and along with that comes the access and the ability to manage it ourselves. You know, I, I firmly believe that local accountability and local control, or correction, local control with local authority provides the best accountability. I firmly believe that. And the further removed we make these decisions, the worse that solution really is. And this natural resource management is a good example of that. I mean, frankly, nobody cares more for Alaska than Alaskans. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're from, you know, San Francisco or if you're from downtown Brooklyn. Nobody cares more for Alaskan than Alaskans. And, but, you, you, you know, I, I, we, the, the one thing I don't have on my website that I, I truly think we should probably brush on is this, this guy, President Zelensky. I mean, you know, if you're looking for a leader, like that guy's got some brass. <laughs> I mean, he's like, that yeah. guy has got some brass. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw the latest comments, but I guess Blinken and President Biden have offered him a ride to safety. And I guess the response was, I don't need a ride, I need ammo. Yeah, no, that was I saw that on uh, saw that on Saturday. He said, "Yeah, send right. send more anti tank missiles. I don't need to ride. Send more anti tank missiles." You know, that, that that's probably a pretty good segue for two different libertarian you know lines of thought here, right? Uh, obviously, as a former soldier, I, I am extremely reluctant to send any additional soldiers to any battlefield that doesn't include the boundaries of the United States. Absolutely, I, I am extremely reluctant to do that. That doesn't mean that we don't help people, um, you know, achieve freedom and liberty. But I'm pretty reluctant to spend the most precious capital we have. I, I have seen it spent. Right. I have felt it go through my fingers. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little against that. That doesn't mean we can't support the guy. It just means we have to come up with creative ways to do that. And, you know, the first one that comes to my mind is the, uh, the embargoes and the sanctions that we placed onto Russia, except for one critical peace and that would be energy right the and, you know uh, the 700 think, million barrels uh, that they're talking right. we got right all right i mean right i mean we you know i would i would surmise that we potentially had an easy response to that 32 months ago we probably as an exporter we probably could have pushed more natural resources more uh energy to europe if we didn't have such a failing energy policy within the current administration. Right. I mean, and the same administration that's been cutting off American oil independence at the knees since they got that's started. Right. That's absolutely correct. Uh, and, and it's not that every administration, you know, doesn't have its, uh, doesn't have its, its, its low points. I oh, mean, yeah. Every administration does, right? I mean, with the overreach of the federal government, they're bound to have some holes. Yeah. So we simply can't rely on a benevolent, bureaucratic machine to always come to our rescue absolutely well and i think that's we become inured to that we've we've kind of become every time we have a problem we start looking to the federal government instead of looking uh, at ourselves in the mirror and saying you are the solution quit looking to the government kind of thing chris by is our guest candidate for u.s senate chris hold the line uh you could find him at itstimealaska.com we're going to continue with chris here in just a moment don't go anywhere we'll get his take on some other hot button issues I'm liking what I'm hearing so far, though. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're continuing now with Chris By, a candidate for Congress uh, here. You know, it's kind of, uh, it's almost like libertarian is a dirty word these days, Chris. I mean, you've probably felt that uh, more than anybody. Uh, we saw it during the last few elections and, you know, oh, how could you vote for, how could you vote for this? How could you vote for that? Uh, because, you know, a vote for this libertarian, whether it was Jeff Johnson or somebody else, that's a vote for fill in the blank for whoever they didn't want to win. Um, so how do you answer that when you're talking to people these days about, you know, oh, well, you're not a member of one of the major parties, then you're just a spoiler. Or you're just, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. What, what, what do you say to them? Uh, Michael, you, you must be reading over my shoulder. I actually have my little note card here. Uh, to discuss that uh, very topic, I wish it was on the open air, but well, we could we can take if, if it's if it's near and dear to your heart, we could take it back and and come back to it uh, as well. I will say that this, I will say that I've been heartened by seeing the fighting in the Ukraine and what the Ukrainians have done, whether it was the uh, the uh, the seventeen on fire not fire island uh, uh, the the island there where they basically told the Russians to go f themselves. Uh, or the uh, or the or the Ukrainian marine who blew up the bridge blew himself and the bridge up to prevent the Russians from crossing it to whoever I mean there is some there are some real lessons to to learn as we watch this fight going on with Russia right now it, it's truly amazing amazing right I mean that's a population of 20, 20 plus million and uh, we're watching this unfold you know what's kind of unique about that is that we always think of heroics as being a American thing. You know, we don't, we don't take the time to look right. at the diversity across the globe and, and how we can benefit from that, right? And I'm not talking forced diversity. You know, I, I'm talking real, live, volunteer diversity. And, and that example of that, uh, that young, excuse me, that young Ukrainian is, is a prime example of what the world should be about. You know, I mean, that guy sacrifices life for his friends. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, it's heartwarming and heart wrenching at the same time. Um, you know, you mentioned the thirty trillion dollars in debt and the eight trillion dollars worth of blood and treasure that we've uh, uh, that we've expended in these wars since nine eleven, and of course that leads me to a lot of other questions, including our national debt, um, the fact that we're at you know what thirty thirty trillion dollars now essentially of national debt. And, yeah, I think. I'm sorry, I don't mean to speak over you. I think you can go to my website, and you're going to see this is so important that I put the, the debt clock up there on the banner. Yeah. But that's how important this is. Yeah. No, we've we've tripped over at $30.1 trillion in national debt right now. $90,000 yeah. $90, per citizen, $240,000 per taxpayer right now. You know what that really, really is? That right there as a lack of moral standing within our career politicians. That, that's what that is, because that $30 trillion is so that we can live better today by enslaving future generations, enslaving them. Yeah. And I know that's a hard word for people to hear, but that's basically what we're doing. And, and there's no stop. I, I would contend, though, and this might hurt some of your, your listeners, <laughs> but, but, but I would contend that we didn't get there by one party. No. I mean, both parties are responsible for that debt. I, when the gentleman that I'm running against joined, 
the debt was like in the thousands, hundreds of thousands. Right. And he's been there, and he wants to go back. And, and I just have to say, if we send, send these kind of individuals back, these same type of individuals, we're going to get the same outcome every time, and we're all going to be disappointed in it. Right. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. It's real simple. When they go there, they don't answer to the constituency. They answer to the party elite and the party leadership. And those individuals answer to special interests. Yeah. And that's why we're not going to get any significant change. That's why your listeners and others have to vote for libertarians. Yeah. Because we're not beholden to any, literally not beholden to any political elites, because we don't have any political elites. Yeah. No, I mean, it's amazing to watch. I watched Thomas Massey on that uh, YouTube, or the Facebook series called The Swamp, and he talked about when he went there, and it was... I mean, everything was controlled by the party. I mean, you had to raise money for the party. You had to do this. You had to do that. You were only rewarded with position if you did all those things. I mean, it's it's astonishing to watch. But we're going to pick this back up. Hold the line here, uh, uh, Chris. Chris Bai is our guest. We're going to jump back into it here, take, uh, take some more questions from Chris. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like this video, share this video, hit subscribe, ring the bell. Here we go. Welcome. Welcome back. Uh, we're continuing now. Chris Bai is our guest. He is the Libertarian candidate uh, for U.S. Congress. Chris, is that the big L or the little L? I got to ask right off the bat there. Is that the big L or the little L? Libert- it's not just big L. It's all caps. It's libertarian. all caps libertarian. Uh, you got it. Yeah, no, I like, I love that. Uh, it uh, It's good stuff. But, you know, as this raises a question that I started to raise in the chat room. You said you wanted to talk about it on the air. Uh, and that is this question, because I heard it. I heard it during the election uh, in 2016. I heard it during the election in 2020 uh, when there were libertarian candidates up there. People said, oh, don't vote for the libertarian, because if you vote for the libertarian, then that's just a vote for blank, whoever their opponent was. And uh, and I, I get tired of that, because, again, you mentioned the lesser of two evils. Uh, you sent an email to me, and you were talking about tired of voting for the lesser of two evils. I mean, i got to break it to those folks out there. The lesser of two evils is still evil. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, that's the problem. So what do you say to people when they say, oh, we couldn't vote for the libertarian candidate because blank? What, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? So, the, so there's three points to be made on that. The first one? One that uh, I personally didn't vote for, but I'm going to do everything to capitalize on, and that's ranked choice voting. Uh, I, I didn't vote for it because it seemed like lots of dark money. But uh, right. I have to admit, like, that is my only option because I don't have enough dark money to compete with the Republicans or the Democrats. I think in my bank account for running, I've got like 600 nickels that we could rub together. You know, so I I don't have the option uh, to do some of these amazing things like fly all over Alaska uh, and pontificate. So so that's the first one. Uh, The second one, I would say, is uh, if you would think, think of a bell curve. Right. And, you know, you got the hilltop and then you got the two sloping sides. Uh, It's how we all got B's when we were in grade school. Right. So on the far sides of that are your, your political activists, 
right? And it doesn't really matter what ilk, what political denomination you subscribe to. But every time they, one side makes a decision, that bell curve spreads out. And what's between those two political denominations is all the non-voters. And, and they're tired of this mess. So I'll give you a, a, a good example. In October of last year, Fairbanks North Shore Borough held an election. And uh, just under 19% of eligible voters voted. That meant that the political direction of Fairbanks North Star Borough was literally decided by 1.2 for every 10 people. That means the other, you know, 90% basically have to have to song and dance to that 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 direction. Right. And I think I think Americans are starting to see that pendulum swing both back and forth, back and forth. Right, and every time it goes back up to uh, one direction of that uh, that political denomination, they add a little more to it. They're like, "Oh yeah, I'll see you in plus one," and then it swings back to the other side. And he's right. like, "Yeah, I'm going to ante up, and I'm going to put the Millennium Falcon in there, and I'm going to add one more," and it just keeps swinging back and forth. And you know what's left behind when they do that? Us. We are. We're left behind. Right. And it's 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 super frustrating and. You know, there's a there's a lot of concern about, about how we're going to stop this. And quite frankly, you know what it's going to take, Michael? It's going to take courageous voters to step off their traditional pathway and vote for someone like me. Not not in the two position, not in the three position, but in the first position. That's what it's going to take. Otherwise, we're always going to be disappointed in the outcomes because right. I don't have to song and dance for any political elites or leadership. Well, and you, know you, who, I'm sorry. you know who my special interest is, Michael? Alaskans. That's who my special interest is. Everybody else can pound sand, but Alaskans first. That's how I feel about it. Well, and as you as you mentioned it earlier, too, this is a unique chance and a unique opportunity to not have to pick uh, only one. I mean, if you make it through the jungle primary, then guess what? It could be Chris by first, and then whoever you think has got the the next greatest chance and, and matches your agenda second. I mean, yeah. that that's an amazing yeah. thing. I mean, uh, that that is the the one silver lining of this whole deal is that some of the candidates who may have not have had a chance in in past elections may get a chance this go round. Yeah, I, I you know what's really troubling is that. You know, I know a lot of Alaskans, right? I I, uh, I fish and I guide and I go to the gun shows and I, you know, I do all that cool Alaska stuff. Um, what's what's really unique about that argument that you put forth earlier is is that these people aren't voting courageously; they're voting out of fear, right? Right? They're so worried that the other team might win that they're willing to sacrifice their conscience in order to ensure that that other team doesn't win. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm, I put my name humbly forward that you don't have to do that anymore. You got someone who, frankly, when we have family reunions, Michael, there are no politicians and there are no DC insiders. My family reunions consist of farmers and military service members. Right. I, I am just a regular guy who's just fed up with the status quo. Let's talk for a minute here about some of the other issues that uh, you would uh, take, uh, you know, take a different tack with in our current congressman. Uh, I mean, whether it's uh, mandates or the military, I know that you are a big uh, audit the Fed guy. Of course, that goes back to your discussion about uh, Ron Paul, et cetera. Uh, right. let's, let's pick it up there. 
Sure. Uh, you know, um, right now, there are so many mandates coming out. Uh, and they, they, they cover all kinds of things. You know, lately, obviously, in the news of the COVID mandates, but there are mandates for all kinds of things. And a, a majority of those mandates never originate where they're supposed to because those mandates become punitive. They become laws. All laws are supposed to start in Congress, but they allow them to initiate and be executed without a vote in a majority of the executive branch departments, agencies, and all that other stuff and fluff that we've made up to uh, expand our bureaucracy. And you know what that really does is that provides cover for career politicians. Yeah. Right. I mean, because yeah. you can't touch those faceless bureaucrats. I mean, yeah. these bureaucrats, <laughs> let me give you an example of one. These bureaucrats, they reside in suite inside the Beltway offices. You know, they inhabit places like, I don't know, the Postal Service. You know, if there's one organization in the Postal Service, the IG organization, that, that ought to know the difference between sending mail and becoming, a, uh, becoming uh, America's newest spy agency, you would think it would be the Alaska, it would be the, uh, excuse me, the Postal Service, Right. But yet some bureaucrat thought that was okay. And that's, that's a travesty. That, that truly is. We can do better than that. And so I'd like to audit those. And it's going to be tough and difficult, right, because these bureaucrats have been protected by our career politicians for, what, 70, 80 years now? Yeah. I mean, at least since the New Green Deal, or correction, since the New Deal. So, yeah, I, I, I want to do that. Uh, I think that's extremely important because that puts the onus back on the elected officials where well, it should be yeah i mean and as you said i mean look we've been trying to get an audit out of the dod for what three or four years now and and the audit's not complete i mean how can we continue to send money to organizations that can't even account for the dollars that they're getting right now it, it, just imagine the blood capital that we're entrusting to these individuals i mean if they can't handle like where truck a is or where dollar b went why in the world would we trust them with any more soldiers Right. I mean, it's a travesty. It's a travesty. You know, and, and that's the other beautiful thing, right? Because I'm a libertarian, I don't have to answer to special interests. I answer to only one special interest, right? The constituents of Alaska. I don't have to song and dance to the military industrial complex for yet more money. And you better believe they're spending money for Ukraine right now. You, oh, yeah. you just know they are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's talk quickly here about, uh, of course, one of my favorite ones, which is the Second Amendment um, and the fact that we have, it seems like, more rules and regulations these days. It seems like shall not be infringed. It was apparently very vague to some of these bureauc uh, bureaucrats and politicians because here we sit today. Where do you stand on the Second Amendment and should we be reversing things? What should we be doing? This is, a, this is a pretty easy question for just about every Alaskan. That includes the libertarians. Uh, gun control includes a firm grip, a good sight picture, and a very smooth trigger squeeze. That's, <laughs> that's what gun control is, right? That's you know, I, I don't know what you got on your hip right now in your office. Um, you know, I'm actually in my man jammies wandering around. Uh, my gun safe is down there where I store all my, my firearms. Um, I really, really encourage people, and you probably saw it on my website, I encourage people to get training on their firearms. Um, and it's not simply because of a safety issue or an insurance issue, but it's so that they understand and they love and they care for those firearms, like, like children, right? 
because um, they are dangerous things um, if they're used inappropriately. And I would rather see more Alaskans than read about one in the newspaper for some kind of accident. Um, that being said, I, I do see that overreach, and it's, it's a bit frustrating. Uh, and there's no real easy way to slow it down. You know, when we start mixing morality with governance, you get this, like I said earlier, this benevolent bureaucrat machine, and they think they can bubble wrap us sure. and protect us from all the decisions we're going to make. And that's just not possible. I mean, it's just not feasible. Well, and it's the problem when the bureaucrats start choosing winners and losers based on their own uh, uh, presuppositions and their own philosophies, which may, yeah. not, which may not link with the philosophies of the, of the citizens themselves. That's part of the problem. You can't have government picking winners and losers. Exactly. And, and you see that all across Alaska and all across America. And, you know, I think this is so frustrating. I, I think what we see is the career politicians, you know, they get there and they, they lose their focus. Um, and it's, it's probably not simply because, you know, they're for nefarious reasons. I, I don't believe that. Not, not for a second. But they lose their focus because of that overreach of government. There's so many things they have to worry about right. that they don't have a chance to prioritize their their uh, their operations. Yeah, you know, a, a good one of these knee jerk reactions and and picking winners and losers is the Patriot Act. You know, the one thing you can say about our uh, senior longest serving Republican in Congress is that he voted no on the Patriot Act. You know, and I applaud him for that. I absolutely applaud him for that. I mean, that Patriot Act is just a unholy debacle of Stalinistic opportunities for a benevolent bureaucrat. Right. And, you know, and we see it executed all the time. You know what's really unique about that, though, Michael, is if there was one guy, one infamous popular, whether you like him or not, one guy who said, wow, I've been bent over because of the Patriot Act, Maybe I should do something about it. That one guy with all the dossiers and the FISA stuff, that one guy reauthorized the Patriot Act. Right. I mean, so think what's in that Patriot Act. If the one dude who really suffered from that for a multiple of reasons, but if that one dude re-signed it as the president, I mean, that's that's terrifying to me. Yeah, no. It we shows, don't stand a chance. Yeah, it shows the power of the bureaucracy for sure. Chris, we're down to the last couple of minutes here. I want to give you a chance to give us your elevator pitch as to why Chris Bayh is the best choice for uh, for Congress. And so uh, I'll give you the floor here for a couple of minutes and uh, give you a chance to uh, hit us with your hit us with your last minute elevator speech here. Uh, you know, Mike, Michael, I really want to say thanks for having me on. It's, it, it is pretty cool to be on this side of the, uh, the speaker. I, I would encourage all the listeners that, and their friends to consider, consider me. Consider Chris Bayh as a candidate, uh, not, for, not out of charity, but, but out, of, out of a desire for a better outcome. Again, if you're cool with song and dance being selected by the party elite and the special interests, then, then please go ahead and vote for a typical party guy. But if you want something actually accomplished, at least a voice from the wilderness. I mean, we live on the outer rim, for goodness sake. I'm pretty sure I saw the Mandalorian fly by. I mean, if, if we really want to make change, it's going to have to be a voice from the wilderness. And I, I am the likely choice for that. 
I would say that right now, 152 libertarians were just elected to a myriad of positions uh, across America this past voting cycle. 152. It's the largest we've ever had. Right. And the reason is because that middle of the bell curve is tired of hearing oh, yeah. from the party elites. Yep. And and I encourage folks to take a look at my website. Go, go and look at it. And you know what? If you find something on there that you don't like, I'm not a politician. Send me a note and tell me how to fix it. I'm, I'm more than willing to listen to it. At the end of the day, you know who Chris By answers to if once elected? All constituents. All of them. The left, the right, the center, all of them. So as a representative, I'm not beholden to just a party platform. I am representative to all the constituents. That includes ones that you and I might not agree with. That includes ones that, that, uh, that we might agree 100% with. Right. But that's the beauty of being an elected official. His website is itstimealaska.com. Chris By, Libertarian candidate for the Congress. Chris, uh, this was a fun. This is a fun discussion and uh, an eye-opening discussion. And we will have you back on the program uh, before uh, we get to election time for sure. I appreciate you coming on board and uh, joining us today. Thank you for uh, thank you for being part of it. Yeah, Michael. Thanks. I, I would. Uh, I truly wish you a fantastic day. And I'll see you on the high ground. All right. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming on board. Hold the line for just a second, folks. We got more coming up. One more segment. Phone lines will be open. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show. All right, we're in the break. Chris By, I wanted to give him one final bite at the apple in case there was something we didn't hit on that he wanted to hit on or whatever else. It's my... Uh, it's my choice. So, uh, Chris, uh, your final thoughts here as we head out the door. You know, it's, it's good to be king, right? <laughs> That's right. It's good to be in charge. That's all I can say. You know, uh, one of my favorite movies, and, and I imagine many of uh, your, your audience's favorite movies, is The Princess Bride, right? And there's this line that keeps coming up, and he's like, inconceivable, and Montoya always, you know, says, I do not think that word means what you think it means. Right, and, exactly. And the word, the word of the day that would we would replace inconceivable with would be transparency. Right. right. I right. don't think that word means what they think it means. Right. Exactly. So I, you know, and, and I, and I give you a pretty good example of this. Uh, and I would encourage your listeners to get a pen and paper out. I have written everybody you can imagine from Scott Kawasaki all the way to Miss Zink herself and the governor and everybody in between. And I've asked them a very simple question, a very simple statement, not even a statement, just a data point. And you know the hospitals are collecting it. And that is the number of vaccinated Alaskans and, 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 they're in, in the COVID dashboard. Right. I would like to see the COVID dashboard represent everybody who goes to the hospital for COVID. That includes the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And it's, it's not a question of pro-vax versus you know, non-vax. It's a question of efficiency. Is is the vaccine really helping? Right. So you're looking for the breakthrough numbers is what you're saying, the breakthrough. Exactly. People with the vaccine who end up coming down with COVID in the end. Right. And so, so with your pen and paper, pull over. Please don't get in a wreck because I need your vote. Uh, I would encourage you to look up foundational health partners because that organization has figured something out that our illustrious Ms. Zink and the uh, Health and Human Services and our governor haven't been able to do. 
they actually have the breakdown from hospitals on the number of people who are sick and the number of people who are uh, breakthroughs. And they go all the way through those on ventilators to, to those who unfortunately pass away. Again, it's Foundational Health Partners, and it's a, uh, it's a fascinating insight to the word transparency or the lack of. <laughs> I, could, I, could not, I could not agree more with you. I think that that's the interesting and that's the important number to be paying attention to. I want to remind everybody that with the Jungle Primary, Chris needs your vote in the Jungle Primary to make it to the Final Four and uh, at the ranked choice voting slot. So uh, I look forward to seeing what happens, Chris. Uh, I mean, you got my vote as far as that goes in the primary. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I'd love to see. I'd love to see more libertarian thought in the Congress right now. Right. You know, and I, I appreciate that, Michael. I again, it's 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 it is an honor. I'm. Uh, you probably, probably my voice probably came across as being a little nervous. Uh, it is an honor to be on this side of the of the speakers talking to you and your audience. It's it's uh you know whether it's Hillbilly listening or any of the other folks that are listening, you know I I truly appreciate this opportunity. Well, I appreciate you coming on board, my friend. It's always good to talk with you. Thank you for coming on board. And like I said, we will have you back on again before we get into the primary season. Uh, it'd be good to have you uh, down in Washington representing all of Alaskans for real. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You guys have a fantastic day. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for coming in and joining us. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, all right. <clears throat> that is Chris By, candidate for uh, Congress, libertarian candidate for Congress. And I am uh, excited to uh, I'm excited to see where that goes. Excited to see where that goes. What a day, man. Alicia Bedirksen and Chris By. Uh, it's uh, it's good. It's good. Um <laughs> Sorry, I just reading a comment here. Laura says I had COVID and I'm not on the there, meaning the data board, because I was too sick to drive to get tested. CD Sid said, "Well, if you can't cooperate, we can't call you and check on you." I said, "Okay." <laughs> oh man! All right, um, that that's and that's true. That's true. Um, all right, uh, what else we got here? Let me close some of these. I got way too many windows open this morning here. Uh, on the uh, on the program, what else we got? Uh, a couple other things we can talk about. Uh, we'll talk about that, and we're going to go to the phones because I got phone calls as well. Uh, oh, I got one line on hold. Let's see who this is, and we'll uh, get them set up and ready for the uh, return to radio. Uh, good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Jeff from Homer. How hey, you doing? Hey, Jeff. Uh, hold the line, my friend. You'll be first up in the queue when we return here. I got to pay a few bills first, but uh, don't. Uh, don't don't lose hope. I'll be to you first. You'll be the first caller out of the gate here. We're about uh, 45 seconds away from rejoining the radio. <clears throat> so do me a favor. Would you share the show? Would you share the show and like this video? But share. Share is important. Likes are good. I love likes. Don't get me wrong. But sharing the show is the important part because it gets more people involved in the conversation. That's what I really need. I need more people to share the show and like and follow the show page. And then if you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and ring the bell so you'll get notifications every time we go live. That's how we that's how we like to do. All right, my friends, uh, let's get back into it and uh, start uh, start the rock and roll, shall we? The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio.
All right, welcome back to the program. Want to remember to uh, talk about one of our sponsors. It's the Bivy Stick. What what is the Bivy Stick? <laughs> it's just what is this? It's a Bivy Stick. What is that? Well, it's a fancy little device that turns your cell phone into a satellite communications device. It's what they call a short burst data device. It's about half the size of your cell phone. And it only costs $199. And when you link it, you download the app from the App Store, Play Store, wherever. And once you plug it in and you get things rolling, it talks to your phone. And it allows you to send text messages or emails from anywhere in the world. I mean, if you could see the sky... You can get it uses the same Iridium satellite network that things like the Pivotel satellite phone does, except now you can connect with it. You can send emails and text messages. You can drop a pin. You can, you know, tell people this is where I'm at. You could carry it with you when you're traveling or when you're uh, when you're out on the trail and you could tell it to drop a pin every 10 minutes, every eight minutes, every five minutes, every two minutes. So the people can track your progress, the people that you care and love about can track your progress. It's got a little special button on it that's like a check-in button that says, hey, I'm okay, here's where I am. It's also got a little red button on it that says, oh, I've fallen and I can't get up, come help me. I mean, that's it is uh, it is astonishing what you can do with this little tiny device for only $199, bucks. no activation fees. You can get a plan from anywhere from the $14 a month, what I call the safety plan, all the way up to the $45 a month unlimited plan where you can send as many texts or messages or emails as you want. You can get up to five days of continuous battery usage out of it. They're always coming up with new features, things like I can't even talk about. There's some cool stuff that's coming up. You can also get weather forecasts, regular, your aviation forecast for you pilots, for mariners, you can get the marine forecast. And again, all of you can carry this in your pocket and be in contact no matter where you're at. I mean, when you know when the power, <clears throat> excuse me, when the earthquake happened back in 2018, uh, you know we had some flickerings of the power and everything else. But we also had I couldn't get through on the cell phones. It took me a while to get through to some calls that I was making on the cell phone towers because of congestion and the fact that some of the towers went down. If I had had a bivy stick, it was still up and rolling. That's why I said I'm buying one for my wife so she could throw it in her glove box, have the app on her phone. Something happens, she can still send me a text no matter where she's at, whether she's got a cell phone signal or not. She could send me a message. I could track her. She could track me. That's what it's all about. So if you own a car or a boat or a snow machine, a plane, a train, a submarine, a unicycle, you should have one of these things on board all the time. If you want to find out more, go to your local dealer and find them at SatelliteWest.com. You can also find out more about that by going to SatelliteWest.com, clicking on the Bivy logo, or you can go to your authorized dealers in Fairbanks at Arctic Fire and Safety, London Marine Electronics in Dutch Harbor, Radar Alaska in Kodiak, South Central Radar in the Spit in Homer, Communications North in Seward, and Safe and Sound locations in Wasilla, Anchorage, or Soldatna. Thank you to Bivy Stick for uh, for uh, uh, sponsoring the program. And yes, you could even send a text that would say "pick up some milk" if you needed to. That's that would be the perfect thing to do. Somebody in the chat room just said that. 
All right, let's go back to the phones now to see what you guys have to say. I got Jeff on the line. Jeff, what's uh, going on in your mind down in Homer? Well, uh, you know, thinking about all the problems in the world, I think that Alaska and everybody involved in the legislature, the Senate, whoever gets voted in, whoever gets voted out, I, you know, I don't care. But what they need to understand is we set on the largest resources in the world sitting here with lumber, with oil, with all of this stuff. Let's start saying, okay, we're going to be kind of independent. We don't want the president telling us what to do. We're going to put in refineries. We are going to make our own gas right here. Even if we don't ship it out of here, we're going to use it here. We're going to have it cheap. People are moving here in groves. You can't buy a house in Homer. You can't buy a house anywhere. They're all gone, all right? We've got all kinds of dead lumber standing in this country. We need to get it down, stop the fire danger of it, and make it into houses and make it into lumber here. We don't need to ship lumber here. We don't need to ship oil here. We don't need to ship hardly anything. And we've got plenty of places to start growing. We need to grow more here. We need to make this place highly independent on Alaskans because we have the will, right? Right. But our leaders, they're fumbling around, twiddling their thumbs, fighting back and forth, and it needs to stop, all of them. They need to set up, become men and women, not children down there, acting like they do, and taking home $8,000 every time they go past their time to pass a bill. Let's get some common sense bills passed. Okay, that's what you were hired for. You were not hired for the mess you're in now. And we need to get this straightened out and build a state, okay? It's one of the proudest states in the whole union. And we have the resources here. We set on the biggest resources. And we're just twiddling our thumbs and buying Russian right. oil? Are you kidding me? Well, and that's what Chris you know? Bayer was talking about is, you know, the, the, the wealth is in the land. We need to uh, we need to be able to explore and export and excavate and do what we need to do. You're right. Depending on Russia, I mean, 700 million barrels a year coming out of Russia. I mean, we could have been doing that here out of Alaska, but everything starts to get shut down. I mean, the first thing that happened under Biden, it seemed like, was he started carving into our energy independence, and that's part of the problem. Well, I say let's go, Brandon, and build some refineries here and start just making gas here and we don't care and our gas could be a dollar and a half here we 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 would be in perfectly great place to be you know we need to shut off the russians from from uh, uh any russian crab coming in here the whole united states but i i encourage the dakotas texas and any other place there's oil start pumping it you know yeah. start making your own fuel we can make it right here in the country. You do not have to ship it in. Right. right? Well, in, in, uh, and if we, keep, them off, we keep sending back the same group of people over and over and over again, we're going to get exactly the same thing that we've gotten. So we need to find candidates that we can trust, that we uh, that have got that are saying the right things and that uh, are moving forward and have that same vision of an independent Alaska. I, yeah. I agree totally. Everywhere I go, Mike, I ask people, I say, would you rather have a PFD or, or like, Six thousand dollar credit on your, on your your uh, burl land to buy some burl land every year, and they go, yeah, yeah. But they don't even, you know, they have no prime directive. Their prime directive is to get as much money for as little done as they can and go home. Yeah, you know, that's their prime directive. That's not a prime directive, you know. That's that's called thievery, as far as I'm concerned. In my book, <laughs> each and one and every one of them should be shamed, and they should be pulled out of office and 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 just get rid of them, you know. So any incumbent that's in there now, don't let them lie to you this November. 
Don't let them tell you they're going to do this, they're going to do that, because they haven't. They've been there. Anybody right. been there 20 years, 10 years, 15 years, 5 years, you're out. Yeah, go. got to go. Two years, nothing getting done. Got to go, just like me. I got to go. Thank you, Jeff, for your call. I couldn't agree more. All right, folks, we are out of time for today. Tomorrow, Brad Keithley, Chris Story. Make sure you listen on the podcast if you missed anything this morning. Is a great interview with uh, uh, Alicia Badopson, uh, Doxson. Uh, if you want to go check it out, you can listen. It's Alicia Badorkson. See? I knew I'd get it right eventually. All right, folks, out of time. Be kind to one another. Love one another. And live well. That's the best revenge right there. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Bay's Free Thinking Radio. All right, my friends, we're out of here. Thank you for coming on board. I look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow. Make sure you go check out Alishaba's book at alishaba.com or uh, outofthewildernessbooks.com. We'll see you tomorrow.
shed our terrestrial radio skin. And now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 